0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orrico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That is where you find all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes, every bit of content on the baseball side, Ethos Fantasy BB. If you're not somebody who uses social media, go ahead and check out SportsEthos.com. That is the website. We have NBA basketball starting today. We have a ton of information on the website and also on our Twitter basketball feed, Ethos Fantasy BK, the same as the baseball one, just a K instead of a B at the end there. Uh, Tons of news that will be coming out throughout the next six months uh, of the NBA season. I think it's six months. I honestly can't remember off the top of my head, but roughly six months of basketball kicks off tonight. You guys are definitely going to want to be checking out the sportsethos.com website. But today, we are going to continue with our position reviews, and I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I, last year, went around the diamond, first, second, third, and short, or first, second, short, third, however I I did it. But I'm going to start with third base today in terms of the actual infield positions. We did catcher. I feel like it makes sense to start behind the plate, but I'm going to go reverse order around the infield, and we're going to go third base today. It's going to be the same style as we did for the previous show, where we're going to do 10, 10, and 10 probably uh, maybe not 10 for the third show, because once you get to like the 20-something of a position, uh, I don't know how much value there is, but we're going to go through the first 10 third baseman today in terms of their fantasy value in 2023. Then we'll go through the next 10, and then we will talk about some interesting names beyond uh, those particular players as well, guys who finished outside of the top 20, or maybe we'll do 25, uh, depending on how how far we go the next two days, and then we'll see guys who either finished outside of the top 20 or 25, who I still think have a lot of interest going forward. We did this for Catcher as well, if you guys have missed those review shows. The last three podcasts have been on that, and I think for now we might do a random show here or there to break it up. Maybe I'll do a mailbag, or maybe I'll do an early mock draft, or something like that, but this is generally what the content is going to look like. For the next month plus, we're going to be going back over every single position and try and touch on as many players as possible. When we're talking about third base, The number one third baseman for fantasy baseball in 2023, pretty handily, was Mr. Bobby Witt Jr. He had an incredible season. I was a doubter coming into the year. I was on record as somebody who was not a huge Bobby Witt fan, not necessarily as a real baseball player. I think he's a very good baseball player. But for this season, for fantasy purposes, I was not really a fan, specifically because of the inflated price. You had to pay a top ten price to get Bobby Witt, and he finished as the number eight overall player, according to Yahoo!, uh, I mean, he, he did everything you could have possibly hoped for. And if you drafted on Yahoo, you probably didn't have to pay the same handsome price that we were seeing on some of the other platforms. NFBC, uh, you were seeing him pushed up quite a bit as a top 10, top six guy in certain cases. I think his minimum pick last year was three. Really, really high draft pick. But he did live up to it. My thought process was, if you haven't lived up, if you haven't shown that you are capable of a first-round fantasy season yet, because 2022 Bobby Witt, as good as he was, was I think 42nd or 45th overall. We were kind of paying a premium for something he hadn't done yet, which I don't advise doing ever. I don't think that that is something that really makes a lot of sense. Every now and then it'll pay off. And Bobby Witt Jr., you know, tip your hat, it certainly did. 97 runs, 30 homers, 96 RBIs, 49 stolen bases in a 276 batting average. Now, the interesting thing, as we kick off the third base review, is that Bobby Witt Jr. is not going to be third base eligible for next season. We'll talk about him a little bit again when we do our shortstop review and preview, because that will be his position going forward. After playing 55 times at third base in 2022, not a single time there in 2023. So there will be a new number one third baseman next year for fantasy. There's definitely a few different options. Uh, Bobby Witt is somebody that I think we'll talk about him a little bit here. Before, because I will do him again, shortstop review, which will probably be the next set of reviews you do after third base. So I don't want to, you know, go over it too much, and especially some overlap. I don't want to mention things uh, twice or whatever. But I think Bobby Witt Jr. is positioned to be one of the best players in baseball going forward. The team around him is really not good, and we haven't seen that hold him back at all. Really, in terms of counting stats, the last two years as a rookie. 82 runs and 80 RBI, and this year, 97 runs and 96 RBIs for a terrible, terrible team that was at times the worst team in baseball this year. There were stretches where they were worse than Oakland. I know it didn't end up with them being worse statistically. It was fairly close. I haven't looked at the regular season standings in a while. I honestly forget how big of a gap it was. I'll pull it up now. But there was definitely a stretch of the season where they were worse than Oakland. They ended up with six more victories, 56-106 and record for Kansas City. A terrible offense, a terrible team overall. If you look offensively at where they ranked in Major League Baseball, the 28th best on-base percentage, they were 23rd in runs per game, 26th in home runs. Terrible, 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 terrible. All across the board, if you look at traditional stats, advanced stats, whatever it was, they were garbage, and yet Bobby Witt Jr. was still incredible. So you got to figure going forward, he is just going to be able to keep getting better and better. Not that it'll be exponentially better. This is probably pretty close to a peak season. But, you know, we saw the strikeout rate go down. We saw the walk rate go up. That batting average went up 20 points, despite the Babbitt being exactly the same at 295. ISO went up. Everything went up. It was a great season for Bobby Wood Jr., and he's definitely somebody that you're going to have to invest a first-round pick in next season, a high first-round pick in, because in the early drafts, he is going as a top five, top three pick, occasionally going number two behind Ronald Acuna, and it's hard to really argue with it. Personally, I'd probably rather take you know uh, either a Julio or maybe even a Corbin Carroll or Mookie Betts, somebody who I feel a little bit more confident around uh, the supporting cast. But again, it, it hasn't really hurt, um, it hasn't really hurt Bobby Wood Junior. So there's no reason to really think it would. I think I would rather just take a guy who's in a better lineup. Generally, I think it's going to be more beneficial because if he played on a even a half decent team, 97 runs and 96 RBIs is probably like 110 apiece. So. That's where I stand. I think he's still easily a top five pick, but we will uh, probably go a little bit farther in depth when I talk about shortstop review, because like I said, that's where he is going to land next season. The number two third baseman on the season was Mr. Austin Riley. Austin Riley, I mean, there's he's a, he's a guy, and I, I've said this about uh, Freddie Freeman, and I've had a couple of people who's come on the sh- who've come on the show. Um, Matt Williams, who came on before the season, said this about Freddie Freeman, and it stuck with me. Uh, throughout a lot of the season, not to say that Matt's like the one who coined this, but a guy who you can write their stats down in pen before the season starts and know what you're going to get. That is Austin Riley. That is Austin Riley pretty much every year these last three years. You're looking at fairly identical numbers, 33, 38, and 37 homers, 91, 90. And this year, he actually had 117 runs, so he actually surpassed that total. Uh, the RBIs have been 107, 93, and 97. Steals have been 0, 2, and 3. And then the batting average, 303, 273, and 281. Across the board, you know, except for that nice little jump you got there in runs, he's been the same guy across the board, down to the strikeout and walk rates that were literally, last year, 8.2 and 24.2. This year, 8.3 and 24.1. The exact same number of games played as last season, one shy of what he played in 21, 160, 159 and 159. Uh, he is just the face of consistency at a premium position in the best lineup in baseball on a historically good lineup. There's not really much you can say about Austin Riley, except the fact that, you know, it's almost surprising that he is not creeping into the back end of the first round. You you could see it. Uh, you could definitely see it in certain cases. Now I, I haven't seen it yet, but based on what he's giving you, just that straight consistency that you are getting, I I mean, there's really not a huge argument you could make against him. The lack of steals is kind of it. But even then, like you can you can really make that up if you're picking at the end of the first round. If you're on the turn, I'm talking specifically about a 15-team league here. You can probably make that up. You can pair him with somebody who steals bases. I don't know. I, I would definitely think that he's gonna be pushing up and up and up. Now I'm just looking at some of these early draft champions that have happened so far. He has gone anywhere from pick 19 and as late as pick 32. So he's gone in that range of usually, and these are 15-team drafts, so typically going in like the 19, 20, 21 range, so early second round. But you know, in the one draft, he slipped to the third round there. If you're getting him in the third round of a 15-teamer, then that's just ridiculous value. That's later than he was going last year. Last year... He was pretty consistently a second-round pick, and he returned that as the number 14 overall player, according to Yahoo. He is just brilliant. There's no real two ways about it. I love him. I'm going to be drafting him again in the second round next season. There is no reason to think that Austin Riley is going to be slowing down anytime soon. We are talking about a guy who is 26 years old. Yeah, he is 26 years old. He'll turn 27 just before the start of next season, or I should say uh, April 2nd, so right when the season starts. He's right in his prime. There's no reason to think that he can't do this exact same thing, if not get even a little bit better. So we have a lot to look forward to with Mr. Austin Riley. Definitely somebody that is a huge target. I had him on a couple teams this year. There's, you know, there's like I've gone over, he's just a perfect model of consistency at a terrible position. Definitely somebody uh, to be keeping an eye on. In your drafts, come the second round, mid-second round probably, is where you're going to have to take him. Let's talk number three third baseman here. That's Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz kind of surprised the entire world and finished as the number three third baseman. His ADP was outside of the top 200 picks. If you were able to get him, then you did very well for yourself. Then depending on your format, I don't think on a lot of them he is going to have third base eligibility again. <clears throat> Excuse me. The majority of his games played were at first base. That was 118 of them. He DH 13 times. He only was third baseman in six games. So on Yahoo, <coughs> excuse me, I believe he will retain it on Yahoo, but it does depend on how those games broke down. If they were starts or if he came in uh, midway through, we'll have to see uh, how that did play out. I'm honestly not hundred percent sure what their ruling is going to be there. It's way too early to kind of figure that out. Now, I believe he did start five games at third base from what I'm looking at. So I think, I think, Yandy Diaz is going to have that third-base eligibility on Yahoo. In the other formats, I think that it's probably gone, certainly in the NFBC it's gone. In terms of the actual production, 22 homers, 78 RBI, 95 runs, and a 330 batting average. Absurd, absurd, absurd numbers from Yandy Diaz. Not what anybody was really expecting. I think specifically on the power side, that is where you got a bit of a shock with Yandy Diaz hitting the 22 home runs. Now, I was on the other day uh, in this league podcast. They have a Dynasty podcast called Dynasty Sports Life. I was on there with the host, Jesse Severe. It just came out today. We actually talked about Yandy Diaz, and I talked about his power, and now I don't think it's going to be something we can look at going forward and say Yandy's going to be a 20, 25 home run guy every year. I think he kind of ran into a few balls in March and April – Uh, the the first couple weeks of the season and then into May. He had 12 home runs through the first two months. He hit none in June. He hit two in July. He hit three in August. And then he kind of redeemed himself there in the overall total number with five uh, down the stretch in the final month of the season. I think the power is going to regress, but I think he's going to be somebody who is leading off for one of the best offenses in baseball, giving you a stupid high batting average. we just seen it as the batting title winner. Somebody who gets on base a lot, 11% walk rate, on top of the batting average. Not that you're going to get any steals out of him, but you're getting Andy Diaz at a price that's probably very reasonable still. He's not somebody that's going to be pushed too far up draft boards. He's not a big name. Maybe the batting title will push him up farther uh, than I would like it to. But in the early draft that I did, in the first one that I did, I was able to get him in round 10, I believe. And that's a 15-team draft. Maybe it was round 9. But I got him around pick 140, 150 range. At that point, you can't really go wrong, regardless of where you're going to actually be slotting him into your lineup, whether it's first, third, corner, infield slot, utility slot, definitely, definitely has interest to me, regardless of what the eligibility is. Now, the third base, if you are playing on Yahoo, that's going to play up, obviously, if he's just first. That is going to take away some because of the relative scarcity you have at third compared to other positions. But I think you can still look at what he does. And another guy where you can pretty consistently say 130, 140 games, you know the the actual statistics are probably going to be in flux a little bit. I don't know exactly what the runs or the RBIs or the home runs are going to look like, but with that kind of solid base of batting average from a late point in the draft, I expect Andy to be a pretty decent bargain again next year. Will he be a top, what was he this year, 35 player again? Uh, he was the 36th ranked player. Will he do that again? Probably not, but I think I'll take a bargain on him where he's going probably around pick 120 or 130 once it settles it. Maybe he ends up getting pushed up higher than that But I think that's probably where he's going to go, and at that point, uh, I'm going to be pretty interested. Just one spot behind Yandy on Yahoo's player ranker at number 37, Rafael Devers. I don't know who would have predicted this one coming into the season, but Yandy Diaz was more valuable, according to Yahoo. I don't know necessarily if I would take him over Devers, even just looking at their end of year stats. Yahoo puts a lot of weight into that batting average category, and granted, a three thirty batting average is absurd. When you factor in that Devers had a few steals, he had more home runs, uh, he had more RBI, I probably would take Devers, but either way, uh, it, it, you, you did pretty well if you had either one of them. Devers obviously cost quite a bit more. He was going in the second round, and he was usually going back-to-back with Austin Riley. If somebody took one in a draft, then somebody immediately after within a couple picks usually took the other one. Now, Riley was the probably better way to go this year, but uh, either way, you couldn't really go wrong. Uh, Riley really outshone him in terms of the runs scored, but other than that, they were very, very similar. Uh, The runs was pretty much it, and it was 27 runs, but everything else was very close. Devers did what Devers does, 33 homers, 90 runs scored, 100 RBI, and he batted 271. Now, I wasn't really sure about the Red Sox coming into the year. What they were going to look like offensively, I didn't think Justin Turner was going to do too much. Masataka Yoshida, I was kind of, I mean, I was, from a fantasy point of view, I thought he was going to be a really nice bargain, and he, he was, mostly. But I didn't think in real life they were going to actually do much, and you know, the team as a whole did not, finishing at the end of the American League East as the last place team. But offensively, they were actually a really good team and obviously Devers was the leader of that and is going to be the leader of that for the rest of his career now uh, with that 10-year deal he's got through uh, 2033. Long-term deal. He's going to be 37 years old by that time that one is done, and I think we can pretty much expect what Devers does uh, this year and what he did in 2021. 22, I'm kind of excusing him. He missed 20 games. It was a bit of a down year, but what we've seen from Devers generally in these last three full, full seasons Thirty plus homers, 100 to 110 kind of runs scored, and about 100 or so RBI. That's what you can get at him. He's also going to chip in some steals from third base. Which I mean, you can get steals from your third baseman, but they're generally not coming from a lot of guys who are uh, must roster players. If you look at the third baseman steal leaders, you obviously have Bobby Witt. You have Hasan Kim. Uh, Ali De La Cruz, but then you got guys like Willie Castro, who is a little bit harder to start, uh, Michael Garcia, Tyler Walls, John Birdie, uh, Geraldo Perdomo. To get steals from a third baseman that is actually providing in other categories is not you know, an easy thing to find. Devers does that a little bit. Even though it was only five, even though it was only three last year, five the year before, it's still a nice little contribution where with a lot of guys at the top here, you're not really getting too many. If you're looking at the top-ranked third baseman, you know, outside of Bobby Witt, obviously, because he's the huge anomaly, and he's also not going to be there next year. You're looking at mostly twos, threes, ones, zeros, not a hell of a lot for the most part, but you're getting a couple out of Raphael Devers, so you've got to take that. There's nothing really I can say that I think will be different going forward, except for maybe the batting average will tick back up a little bit at 271, kind of low, he had his lowest bab up that he'd had since his first full season in 2018. It fell below 300. Don't expect that to continue. I think that we could probably still see Devers as a guy who can touch 300 in a season in the 280 to 300 range, 30 homers, 100 and 100. Uh, I still really like the guy, and I think the team around him is going to be a a question mark a little bit probably, but I don't think it really matters so much uh, with a guy like Devers who can just muscle his way to 35, even potentially 40 homers. The counting stats will come uh, in a lineup that even though I don't think it'll be as good again, it'll probably still be pretty decent Uh, and Devers should be somebody that you're pretty confident with in probably the round two, and maybe he's somebody that you can get in the round three range, early round three. I'm not 100% sure about that, but if it does happen, uh, I would definitely smash him there if that's where his ADP is going. If it's a matter of Austin Riley in round two or Devers in round three, then I take Devers in round three every time because it's a really negligible difference, and I think there's a chance we do see that. Devers get pushed out a little bit just because he's not maybe the hot new thing on the block anymore. Boston sucks. Riley's going to probably be pushed up a little bit higher. So that would be uh, where I stand on it right now, assuming there's no big, big movements in the ADP there. Um, and there probably will be some movements, but we'll we'll touch on that throughout the offseason as well. Let's get to number five, Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez did not finish quite as high up as maybe you thought he would have or maybe should have. He was a number one third baseman by ADP. There were some people who took him first overall in their drafts, and they had reason to do it. Uh, Jose Ramirez... I know the team really was not good around him, but it can't be put on Ramirez. Like, he still absolutely did his job. 282 average, 24 homers. He had 80 RBI, 87 runs scored. He stole 28 bases as well. Now, was the production number one overall? No, it it was not. He was the number 40-ranked player, according to Yahoo. And it's going to push him down a little bit to the point where, and I don't think it'll be in a lot of cases, but in some cases, you're going to be able to get Jose Ramirez in the second round of your draft now. After him having a season that is pretty close to what he's always done as you know a first round guy, I'll be at the powers a little bit down. But it's the team around him really, and I think the team around him is going to get better. We touched on it already with Bo Naylor. He's somebody that I think is going to just keep getting better and better. And I think overall. The team is probably going to not repeat as you know a lackluster offensive season as they just did here considering what they did in 2022 it was a bad year is that going to continue to get worse and worse that offense I don't think so there's a lot of high contact guys a lot of strong offensive uh, guys in that lineup still yes a lot of down years but I don't see that really affecting Jose Ramirez or the team in general Ramirez still had a 10% walk rate and a 10% K rate lowest strikeout rate he had had since 2017, 282 batting average. That's right in line with the career number of 279. You know, the homers at 24 is a little bit low, but even then like 28 steals, 87 runs, 80 RBI. If the offense is even somewhat competent next season, then you know, you have to think that they'll probably be a bit better. That division is not very good. I can't see them being that bad again you're very likely looking at Jose Ramirez getting back up to 100 runs and 100 RBIs. At the very least, 95-95 kind of range with those steals that we know are pretty locked, set in stone at the 20-30 to kind of range if you look at the last five full seasons, 28-20, 27-24, and 34. Anywhere in that range is what's going to happen, and the batting average we know is stable. Everything, I think, points to Jose Ramirez being a really big bargain in drafts next season, and it's going to be because people are mad. People took him first, second, third overall. They're going to say, "Nah, screw him. I, I don't want him." He he didn't return that value, and people will do that, and I do that. Everybody does that, right? There is a human element to this of you know beyond the numbers that we're looking at. Of well, this guy screwed me last year. I don't care what the numbers say if they point to this, that, or the other. I'm not taking him. Some people may do that with Jose Ramirez, and I don't. Th- I don't necessarily you know, hate that notion in general of. You know, the personal side of this, because that's what makes it, you know, uh, an actual fun game that we play. If you're just looking straight up at the data, then everybody has access to the same data and can use it however they'd like. Then we'd all be making the same decisions. The human element does add, you know, a component to the fantasy part of it for sure. But I wouldn't be looking at Ramirez and say, no, I don't think he's worthy of a first round pick. I think he is still worthy of being a back end first round pick. If you get him in round two, you're going to be very, very happy if that is the case. Let's talk Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman was a big surprise for me. I didn't think he'd finish anywhere close to this range. He was the 56th ranked player overall, the 6th, 3rd baseman. A lot of him, a lot of it gets him there. Uh, A lot of what gets him there, excuse me, is the counting stats. Like he himself was not overly exceptional this season. The thing that really drove him from a fantasy point of view was having 103 runs scored and 98 RBI. That's going to propel anybody to be within a pretty decent fantasy range looking at 25 homers which is pretty good, three stolen bases which is which is fine for a third baseman. And then a 262 batting average. Mm. 262 batting average for a third baseman is fine, it's okay, but it's not great. What really propels him is being in that lineup that Houston team which did get eliminated yesterday is going to still be a very good team going forward. There's no reason to think Alex Bregman is not going to be doing the same kind of exact things we've seen from him these last several years. Now, the batting average is not what it was. The power is not quite what it was. But you're still looking at 25, 27 home runs. You're probably looking at close to 100 runs scored and 100 RBI again. I I think that there's no reason not to think that Bregman can do something similar drafting him where he's going or where he was going last year, I don't see that he's going to really move up too much. Like He was going in the 70, 80 kind of range. That's probably where I would see Bregman going unless there's drastic changes on this team or he gets traded or something, and which we'll reevaluate. I don't really see that happening. But as of right now, you got to think Bregman is is going to be ranked as a top 60 or 70 player, and he absolutely deserves it. There's no reason to think that he won't be doing – Very similar things. That team is just very, very, very consistent. Every single year, we know what they do. And I don't think that there's going to be much of a change with Mr. Bregman. Let's move on to Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson was the number seven overall um, third baseman here. I think that he pretty much did what you were expecting him to do. I, I know that he was a disappointment to start the year, and a lot of people dropped him. He was dropped in my home league, and I picked him up. And my buddy Lee, if you're listening, uh, I'm sorry because I know that one is going to hurt you because you dropped him and the, the season really didn't work out too well. Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point for your behalf if you are listening, but he turned it around and he did about as much as you could have asked for. 28 homers, 10 stolen bases. He had 100 runs, 82 RBI, and a .255 average. Again, beautiful. You will take it. Next year, he is going to be third base and shortstop eligible. That dual eligibility... Uh, To this point, outside of Yandy Diaz and his is kind of situation dependent, platform dependent, Henderson is the first true guy on this list who is going to have dual eligibility. Now, how much does that mean? Probably not too much. You're you're drafting Gunnar Henderson where he's going these days. You're taking him in the second round. The odds are you're leaving him in that third base spot all season, but it still is nice, especially in a daily league, to have that versatility. That team is going to be getting better and better. That team still has half of their great prospects not even debuted yet. Jackson Holiday first and foremost. That like I don't I'm very scared as a Blue Jay fan in the American League East. Guys like Henderson and Adley Rudgman, and I could go through the whole team really because that's what they are at this point they are a team that is fully constructed almost of young superstars and they are just going to keep getting better as they develop Gunnar Henderson did this as a twenty one slash twenty two year old gave you twenty eight and ten with hundred runs scored the sky's the limit the sky is the absolute limit for somebody who is going to be in the lineup pretty much every single day hundred and fifty games this year don't see that changing much in an incredible lineup in a you know lb it's a tough division but that's not going to hold him back. If that's the only thing that my brain is coming up with as a, well, potentially there's this, then I don't think there's too much to worry about here with Gunnar Henderson. I'd like him to get the strikeout rate down a little bit, but even where it is, 26%, I I have no problem uh, with where it is considering the walk rate is bordering on 10%. It's at 9%. In the minors, it was always over 10%. Definitely going to be interested in Gunner. I just don't really want to pay a second round price for him. And I think people will probably not. The steals weren't crazy high. The batting average wasn't crazy high. Good power, but I feel like second round might be pushing it a little bit in a 15 teamer. If you're talking a third round, maybe even four, uh, yeah, that's probably where I am as of right now. I'm probably like third round for Gunner. And even that could be potentially pushing it a little bit. If you look at where he finished this season, he was a 68th overall player. So I think you're probably pushing him a little bit in the second, but in the third slash fourth, I think that's where we're going to start to hit the sweet spot for Gunnar Henderson. Number eight on this list is definitely a surprise. It's Justin Turner. I don't think anybody would have thought we'd be talking about Justin Turner in this light at the beginning of the season as somebody that would be a top 10 performer at any position. And here we are with Justin Turner ending the year as a triple eligible player who ended up as the 69th overall player on the season. Now, third base is going to be gone for him, depending on your platform. He played there seven times. Now he is going to have second base, which is really interesting for Justin Turner. He played there 10 times. And again, that is kind of platform dependent. I think if it's NFBC, you need 20 to carry it over. So in some formats he'll just be first, but I think on Yahoo and I'm going to double check, I think he'll be first and sec first and second for sure. And then if I just look at his splits, I want to just see how many times he started at third base. I believe it was yeah, it was all seven times he appeared there, I believe he was a starter. So I think he's going to carry that on Yahoo as well. So you're looking at a triple eligible player who's coming off one of the best seasons of his career. And it's I know, for somebody like Justin Turner, who has actually had a really good career, especially for a late bloomer that didn't really come into his own until about 30, this is really right up there. He had his most RBI he's ever had in a season at 96. He was within one run of his career high at uh, 86. Career high was set in 2021. He batted two seventy six, which was right there with his career numbers. I mean, the WRC plus numbers we've seen higher in the past for sure. But this was a pretty damn good season for Justin Turner. Is he going to be able to repeat it? I'd like to think probably not. He has a player option for next season. I think he's probably going to, if I'm reading this right, I'm not great with contract stuff, but I think that he is a player option. Odds are he's going to try and cash in a little bit on what he did this year because what he did in 2022 was kind of a poor showing. Decent batting average, but still was kind of poor uh, in the other departments. I think that he's somebody that is going to probably opt out and go somewhere else, and I think that'll really dictate what I think of him. But wherever he is, I don't think you can have too much interest outside of a late flyer who you can plug in in multiple positions. I think if he's in your Yahoo drafts, whether or not he'll land there, whether or not he'll get there uh, is is another question entirely. But I think that he should be somebody that is like a last-to-second-last-round player that you don't even really start that often as a bench player, especially if he has first, second, and third eligibility. I think he makes a lot of sense as somebody that sits on your bench and you plug him in in a daily league when you have the opportunity to, when you need to, whether it's because of matchups, whether it's because your guys are sitting, whatever it is. I think that's the sweet spot for justin turner i'm not going to be overly interested if people are paying like a top 150 price for him because of this season i think that you kind of need to look at the fact that he is 38 years old he's gonna be 39 uh next month does does he have that much left in the tank he played 146 games which was the most he, actually no sorry in 2021 it was 151 games but is a lot of games for someone at his age at a lot of different positions in the field i like him as a late option but i wouldn't be investing a hell of a lot in justin turner for next year let's talk max muncie he was the number nine third baseman max muncie i was very much out on coming into the season i did not think there was going to be much hope at all i thought he was going to be a very poor draft pick and i was mistaken now he did bat 212 that was an improvement over the year prior By 16 points. He had 36 homers, 95 runs scored, 105 ribbies. He even stole a base. And then that 212 average, he was kind of Kyle Schwarber light. And he did it from the third base position. Now, I believe, depending on your format, if you're looking at Yahoo, he was second base eligible this year. Going into next year, he will just be third base. uh, 324, or excuse me, (laughs) 324 games. That'd be a lot of games to play in the season. Uh, 124 games at third, and he was a DH 10 times. It's a club option for 2024. I think it's $13 million. I'm I believe it's 13, 13 and a half, it looks like. Uh, but again, I'm not the greatest contract guy. I would imagine they bring him back. Max Muncie's not as old as you might think. He's only 33. I, I feel like they probably do bring him back on that deal, considering the year he just had. And there's no reason to think he can't kind of run it back a little bit. Now I was down on him because, well, he had just had a horrible season. The metrics had kind of regressed a little bit. The, the strikeout rate had gone up. The walk rate went up a little bit, but the strikeout rate went up a lot last season. The power kind of disappeared. And he was hurt, uh, but I, I was really not in on him. with the team also losing some pieces. Now the team could potentially be gaining a piece in Shohei Otani, and I'm going to essentially plan for him going there. And I talked about it with Will Smith about how nice that team would look uh, with Mookie Freeman. And then you got Otani, and followed by Will Smith. Probably Max Muncy is right in the middle of that mix somewhere as well. Even without Otani, you saw what he did this year, 95 and 105, which he has done a few times in the past. It's not like this is a brand new thing for him. He has done it before. Uh, He has scored 101 runs in the past. He has driven in 94. He's driven in 98. I think that we're probably going to see a couple more good Max Muncy seasons, even though you're going to be struggling with the batting average. And again, i got to say, I was wrong on him coming into this year. Absolutely, I was wrong. I thought he would just continue to get worse, but he bounced back pretty well. And I do think that we probably have maybe not 36 home runs again in the tank, but maybe 30. I, I, I could see 30. And he could even get to 36 again if he does get the playing time, if he stays healthy. He's been around 130 games last couple seasons. We'll see if he's able to maintain that or increase it. Uh, but somebody I think will be pretty interesting at a not terribly expensive cost uh, going into your draft next season. So somebody, if you need late power to take a look at, I would say, in Max Muncy. Number 10, in the number 100 ranked player for the season as a whole, it was the Swiss Army Knife out of Cincinnati. And a lot of you guys probably think, well, there's a few of those guys. There's a couple of guys that would fall under that, uh, could fall under that moniker. But we're talking Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer had an incredible season. Minnesota fans are probably pretty sick with what they saw after the Tyler Molly trade for sure. Uh, Spencer Steer had an incredible season. 23 homers, he had 15 stolen bases and that's not even to get the strand, but we won't we won't do that today. 23 homers and 15 stolen bases for Steer, a 271 batting average, a 20% strikeout rate and a 10% walk rate. Unbelievable numbers as a rookie. He played in 156 games. Now, there was worry uh, midway through the season that he was going to lose some playing time, that he's somebody you could drop. And some people did drop him in fantasy leagues. It didn't obviously work out that way because 156 games played, he was somebody that was incredibly reliable. And he also played all over the place. And his eligibility next year is going to be a thing of absolute beauty. You can see it if you open up your Yahoo app. It's what it currently is right now. I believe it will remain exactly the same over there. He played 73 times at first, so that is locked down. 47 times at third base, so that's locked down. 45 times in left field, so that's locked down as well. And then 16 times at second base. He is going to be first, second, third, and outfield eligible. Now, if you're in the NFBC, you don't get second base, but you're going to get first, third, and outfield for a guy who just went as a rookie 23-15 and and 270. Incredible. People worry about the role there for him, and I I do admit there are a lot of mouths to feed in Cincinnati. I think there will be some kind of trade and even if there's not, there always seems to be somebody that is hurt or somebody that is the odd man out, and it's not going to be steer. It's just not. When you show this kind of talent as a rookie, the team that has you is not usually going to just say, "Yeah, I think we're going to bench him. Now, teams can be stupid, but this isn't the Rockies we're talking about here. This is Cincinnati. they got a lot of young talent. I think they know what to do with it. I feel like Jonathan India is probably the odd man out. We've talked about that a little bit. Maybe it's one of the younger guys that they end up trading for, some pitching help. I don't know, but either way, Spencer Steer is going to be in that lineup. He is going to be one of the most uniquely valuable players based on his vers- versatility in the production, like even if he just does exactly what he did this year and doesn't get any better. You're talking about a top 100 player who you can plug in anywhere on your team pretty much. there is going to be value. And I think the 23 homers in that ballpark as he progresses, we've seen a lot of power, a lot of power at the minor league level. If he touches 30 next year, it would not shock me. The batting average, will it stay up? at 270 it might be shooting a little high but I think a 250 to 260 range with everything else remaining relatively similar is what we're going to probably see at a Spencer Steer so that's it that's the top 10 we are going to go over the next 10 names tomorrow maybe we'll do 15 names tomorrow depending on how I'm feeling and then we will talk uh, the next day which will be Thursday about some players who were not in that top tier but still had some interesting numbers in 2023, or they have very interesting value to me going forward, specifically in 2024. Reach out. If you guys have any questions over on Twitter, of course, at Joe Rico 99 ethos, fantasy BB as well. And of course sports ethos, the website, I highly recommend checking it out with NBA getting kicked off. It is our bread and butter. We were initially founded as a basketball website, as a fantasy basketball website. And that's what the content has been predominantly for the last seven or so years Make sure you guys are checking out basketball. Make sure you guys are checking out everything we got going on. But until tomorrow, take care, everybody. Have a great night and cheers.